Hi everyone, it's Jamie. I just want to share with you that my new book, Toxic Relationship Recovery, is available now. This book is for anyone who is healing after a harmful relationship, but it's also for people that are looking to identify toxic traits, toxic behaviors, and toxic strategies that get used upon people every single day. The second half of the book teaches you strategies to heal your inner voice and find your authentic self after experiencing this type of harm. I'm looking forward to you all reading it and hearing your feedback from it. It's available today. Find Toxic Relationship Recovery wherever you buy books. This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are, and exploring who we are becoming. Hi. Yay. I feel like we start every episode by regaling our listeners with our technology problems. Guess what? Once again, <laughs> once again, we had to fight to be here. <laughs> we had to fight to be here. <laughs> we have an energy that does not align with technology, apparently. And when it resolves itself, it's miraculous. Um, so yeah, we're back. It feels like we've been off forever, but we are. It does. I guess we've had, I'm an older person now. My birthday passed and I got super sick. Happy birthday. Um, so yeah, I have to do a birthday redo because the actual day of my birthday, I genuinely like stayed in bed my entire day. So yes. Yes. But we are in our, we're in our one month tunnel of being the same age. For one oh month. yeah, me and CA, we love to talk about this. <laughs> I swear, I think I remember we said that last year during this episode we as well. We did. Maybe we need to just say it every year as a weird quirk of our podcast. <laughs> All of our listeners are going to, next year, this time, they're going to be like, they're in the tunnel. They're going to like beat us to the punch. The tunnel. <laughs> and they're going to be like, shut up about the tunnel already. <laughs> uh, oh okay, gosh. so we are coming at you with this cool topic because me and CA reflected on kind of like our summer and some of the cool things that came out of our summer. And both of us had some really cool experiences. Um, We've been kind of exploring different parts of our spirituality and trying to understand ourselves in new ways. And so we are going to talk today about what it means to be spiritual in general. And then also what the kind of difference might come up when we're talking about secular spirituality or, I mean, there's other terminologies, you know, but basically religious versus spirituality and like where those intersect and kind of maybe the evolution that trauma can play in that. So we're going to share some stories. We are going to talk about some of our religious experiences and then also our non-religious spiritual experiences. And so we're really trying to just open a dialogue. This isn't meant to be a, ooh, let's condemn one faith system. Let's, you know, this isn't a tearing down type of podcast episode where we're trying to you know, attack something. It really is meant to be like an expansive dialogue to try to understand the different layers of spirituality and the human person and where those things can come from. Yeah. And it sort of started with you asking a really great question off air. You said, does religion own spirituality? 
And I think for many, many years, you and I absolutely would have answered yes to that, you know, when we were deeply in our own religious ideologies. And I think a lot of people would, you know, have similar experiences, either having like grown up with that, or maybe even still believe that that's somewhat of a true statement or a fully true statement. And I think that's a good starting off place because that that sort of is going to like walk through a little bit of how I even got to a place where now I would confidently answer that question in the exact opposite. I would firmly and confidently say that no, religion does not own spirituality. So how did I get from one very confident extreme to the other? That's, you know, if you've listened to our religious trauma series, you probably know a lot of that. And so I'm not going to go all the way through the whole entire thing. Um, But like almost sort of like a condensed version, it was like, for me, I always use the word expansion. Like I started with having valid or are they scary or are they just delusional and like going through that whole like mental exploration. And once I got to a place where I was like, oh no, like there's absolutely other ways to experience spirituality besides Christianity. Then it's just, this is how my brain works. And this is funny because it actually goes really well with another random topic we were talking about off air about how we just like take a thought and like expand, 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 expand the thought until you're like, launched off into another universe, but that's how my brain works, you know, and this was a slow process over time. Of course, this took many years to get me from that point A to that point B, but ultimately I am in a ever expansive state of curiosity. And so it just continued to expand from there. And I began to not only have my own personal life experiences to confirm these things, but be exposed to a lot of other people's stories of how they understand and conceptualize and experience their spirituality in ways that are not under the umbrella of any sort of religion or even like ideological framework of any kind. And so it's just been, it's been really interesting to go along that journey. And so as you've listened to my very condensed version of how I got from point A to point B, it's almost now time to sort of like hone in on the question of when we say spirituality, what do we even mean? Because for me, of course, initially, if you were to ask me what that was back when I was in my religious ideology, I would have had a very, again, narrow definition. Oh, it's it's your connection to G-O-D, right? Like the God. And like in my mind, that meant just this one very narrow conceptualization of who God was. And so spirituality is how you connect to this very narrow definition of who I define to be as God. So now I'm curious, I'm going to ask you, Jamie, I'm going to flip it over to you. If someone were to ask you today right now to define what spirituality is, what would you say? Uh, It's so layered. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Such an easy uh, question, would, Jamie. Is it? <laughs> so, I would Not say, even a little bit. yeah, I mean, so this is, I'm going to answer it in an interesting way because when people ask me about evil, right. And they're like, well, do you know, like, do, what do you think like evil is and like goodness is and like, you know, where people understand like their inherent I don't know, sense of connection and community. 
let me start on the flip side, right? If we're thinking about like something that would feel like antithesis to like a unification energy, right? I think of a lot of the stuff we cover on this podcast. I think of a lot of the things that cause trauma. And I think a lot about uh, manipulation and deception and like, but I, but here's where I would, here's where I would clarify. I look at it less on a one side, one person issue. I look at it as collective manipulation, collective deception, collective like mind, you know, altering things that are really convincing people that they don't have wisdom inside of them, that they are not, they're not strong enough, right? They're not unified with anyone. Nobody cares about them, right? And that to me is like such a line of evil energy. Like it's like a streamline of evil energy. And I don't mean like people are demonic. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if someone asked me like, what would evil be if you don't actually believe in Satan and the devil and demons? I would say that. I would say convincing people that they are powerless and that they should be collectively controlled by a very corrupt system. And then I go to the flip side, right? And this is where I would start describing my experience of spirituality because after starting my channels and after starting this podcast with UCA and after experiencing collective community coming together and healing, I genuinely think that's where I've been able to tap into very deep levels of what we would consider, I guess, secular spirituality. Like without the structure of religion, I can feel this deep layered connection with people that are all willfully connected to the greater humanity and and really discerning their own healing path, but also tending and, and being mindful, not codependent, but mindful of other people's healing journey and the way that they can collectively share experiences together or share moments together. And that can happen through so many different vehicles, right? And that's what we're talking about with like summer and like some of the things that we were able to tap into this summer where we felt like some of these things we did this summer were very spiritual. And I think this is, it gets very complex for people because believe me, you don't have to preach to us. Me and CA were very, very deep in the religious. I, I remember even being, I would fully roll my eyes if someone told me when I met them, I'm not kidding. I fully, and I don't even know if I hit it. I think eventually I got very pompous and I would just not hide it. I would just roll my eyes in front of them. But I think it would get to this point where I would be like, oh, so, you know, what do you believe? And they're like, oh, I don't really have like a specific set, but I do believe in this greater connection to humanity and like, you know, the, 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 the deep things that connect us as human beings. And I would probably describe myself as spiritual and I'm like, and I would literally like scoff, roll my eyes and be like, that's not possible. Like you're just, you're just gaslighting yourself and convincing yourself that you are trying to have a connection with God, but you can't call it God. And then that's where I think a lot of us get into almost can we answer this question without trying to answer what many people describe divine energy as right so like 
if you're asking me, okay, so what's spirituality to you, Jamie? I would say it is connecting to this divine energy that we can find within ourselves when we are tapping into this almost healing safe place as a community and respectfully honoring each other inside that space, right? So if someone's like, okay, yeah, that's really layered. That's really complex. Like I, you just kind of <laughs> set a few things it. that went over my head, <laughs> you know, and I don't want to be talking over people's heads. So like, that's why we're doing this episode. You know, if whatever I just said is like, oh God, that sounds like pie in the sky, high and lofty. Yeah, it can get a little esoteric, but I would say we can absolutely describe this through the experiences that we've had. And so this is where I think maybe like see it, you entering into that would be like helpful for everyone. Yeah. The best way to start actually like describing my experience of secular spirituality is to use an example because we can use as much words and definitions as we can. But as you said, it can start to feel a little like lofty and esoteric. So I'm almost, I think this is going to be the best experience of my very, very, very recent life to use to describe this. I'm not going to go through every detail, but this past weekend (laughs) I was, I was, uh, I was at a music festival. I was meant to be at a music festival. It said music festival got canceled on day two of four. We only got a day and a half worth out of what was supposed to be a four day music festival and I don't know why I'm trying to protect them. It's Blue Ridge Rock Festival. Like I, I can just, I'll like, just call it that. Anyway, it's so that's national news at this point. It's made national news at this point. I was there um, and I was supposed to experience I four survived. days I'm a survivor. Blue Ridge Rock Fest survivor. Barely by the, by the skin of my teeth. But um, so, but here's the, here's an example of secular spirituality that I had this past, like during those days. So on what was supposed to be day four of our festival, but it had been canceled at that point, there was another like pop-up music, you know, like concert show that uh, popped up in another location that my friends and I all went to. And it was like a full day long experience of like 12 band lineup of music. And I was trying to describe this to Jamie. When I tell you like the experience that we had that day was absolutely something that I would describe as spiritual. You would probably laugh because if you knew the type of music I listened to, you'd be like, this girl's, this girl's crazy. I listened to very, very heavy, heavy metal music and you barely can understand the lyrics. And it's just a lot of growling and blast beats on the drums. And that's what I like. That's, that's what it is. But anyway, the point is I'm in this room filled with like, couple hundred people. It's not a huge venue, but it's filled with everybody in there is there for the same reason. We are experiencing collective grief together. And I know that might sound like you're rolling your eyes like, oh my gosh, like first world problems, your silly little music festival was canceled. Boo hoo. Right? Like I, I, I can hear the voices like trying to minimize this experience already. Like the critique voices that would be like, oh my gosh. But the, the reality is like for a lot of people, music actually is a, a very, very highly spiritual thing. And it's like a deeply connective part of who we are. And the, the community that I happen to be in the metal community is like that. Like the music isn't just like an extra random added thing that we like casually have. Like it's, 
very, very, very deeply like meaningful to us. And so we made these plans. We made these sacrifices. We spent all this money. We took time off work. We got babysitters. We did everything we had to do to be at this experience. The experience ends up getting like ripped away from us. That is an experience of loss and grief. And so this room is filled with people who are all collectively experiencing the same emotion together and then choosing to heal that emotion as a collective through the power of music. And when I tell you that feeling was actually palpable, actually palpable in that room, I mean, you could feel people just like releasing their anger and their sadness and their grief and their loss. And as that release comes out, it opens up space inside to, to bring in the feelings of community and joy and play and silliness and fun together that we had while we, you know, danced and moshed and crowd surfed together. And um, so for me, that was a perfect example of like a secular spiritual experience where what we are having, what we're describing is a collective of people who are united through a common energy, essentially, and able to access something that feels bigger than themselves because it is. The way I was like trying to conceptualize and describe it to you, Jamie, I was like, if one person say I'm just all alone and I'm experiencing grief and I'm feeling sad and I, and I'm going through my own, like, and cause I do this, right? Like my own personal process when I'm like processing grief and I'm all by myself, there I am. And I'm like processing my grief and I have my process and you know, I'm like sometimes I'm writing and sometimes I'm listening to music and I'm releasing those tensions and I'm making space for like new energies to come in of like love and, and, you know, peace and all of these, you know, other things that I want to take that space now that I've opened that space up and released the grief that has, it, it, it can be very powerful and it has its own, like almost like volume, right? We'll, we'll say, we'll say it's like, it has like a volume to the energy. Now, if I do that same exact process with five people, the volume is going to be louder. If we are all five of us releasing our grief together and and opening up space to let the good energies back in and the good emotions back in, it's going to feel powerful and it's going to feel amplified because now we have a higher volume of that energy taking like place within this space and time. Now expand that to what was, I think, a five or 600 cap room. And we have hundreds of people doing this process together. That volume is so high, the emotional volume. And this, and, and that's why we experience it as like spiritual. Like there was a, a higher power present, right? Because it is, it's like amplified. It's like when all of our energies connect and expand and it just feels huge. Like it is outside of ourselves at that point. And it's inside of ourselves. It is the perfect both and, right? Like we are personally experiencing this process and we are experiencing it as a collective. So that to me is the perfect example of spirituality, right? Because before if you remember my like initial definition, right? It's like, it's my connection to God. Well, I don't necessarily believe in God anymore. Like at least not like a Christian definition of God. So what I'm describing right here is exactly what I just said. This is my personal collect connection to a higher 
collective power or energy or essence. And so that to me is a good example of it. And I know it's really niche because of the way, like what the experience itself is. But I think a lot of people can probably relate to, even without the concept of like the grief and the loss of the festival, how many of us have experienced connection, high levels of emotionality and connection while attending live music? I'd say a lot. Sure. Sure. And I think this is where it gets really interesting. And I hope our listeners, you know, stay on this journey with this, but I'm going to give the listeners. uh, CA just walked us through this very beautiful experience of like shared grief alchemy where you're changing the emotion and you're processing it together and then you're moving it into something and it might evolve into joy or glee or whatever or you know ecstasy or whatever people want to use um and yeah like that absolutely can happen like with collective energy it can exponentially grow and then you can feel the energy at a level that you can't produce yourself you can only produce it in a shared collective place. Um, and yes, I'm sure there are people that are going to at me that are maybe like high in the, you know, meditative world. That's like, oh no, I could, I could probably do that myself. But I'm like, maybe the average person can't do that themselves. Okay. Um, but like, let's go on the flip side and see and me when we were doing kind of our pre-conversation around this episode. The flip side is really fascinating. And this is what I'm going to share because when we talk about spirituality, right? A lot of people are like connection to God or connection to da, 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 right? But let's go into energy that is powerful that would possibly evoke the opposite feeling, right? And this is where it might freak people out. And of course, we're going to have listeners that have different belief systems around, you know, what they see God is and, you know, the evils, the alternative, you know, the flip side of God, which is, you know, Satan or demons or whatever. Okay. So without naming names, I'm going to protect this person's confidentiality. I'm going to describe to you something that happened to me and CA uh, when we were younger. We were probably mid-teenagers. And remember, we were very, very religious. Okay. Very, very religious. So we were already very primed to think about whatever energy we were feeling were put in boxes, right? So if we felt fear and confusion, we had to put it in the evil box. If we felt joy and freedom and release, we put it in the God box, right? And that's just like, you know, that's very maybe all or nothing thinking, whatever. It didn't really leave a lot of room for nuance. Um, But, you know, we were young teenagers, so we kind of thought in those very, very concrete terms. So there was an experience we had when we were younger and me and CA when we were very, uh, very religious. And, you know, if you, if you interviewed me 10 years ago, I would have said, this is the closest thing I've ever experienced to encountering like a demonic experience. Um, And, you know, people are like, wow, you know, tell us about that story, you know, like, tell us about what happened. Um, And to give you some pre, you know, to give you some context, we were 
already primed. We were coming off of the high of being in that collective community. Like CA just said, we were in a collective community. We were in a musical collective community. There was a lot of music going around 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 God. When we sang it, we felt unified. We felt probably that same feeling CA described that she just came back from that festival from. Um, and we felt it in the context of God, right? In in the Christian God, I should say, the Christian version of God. Um, and we felt that from the Christian version of God. So we were going back, we were going on this like side quest, we were doing a little hiking trip. And so we were very, and the way I can describe it to people is we were very energetically like bubbly sensitive with like, like over, raw yes yeah. not even but but I wouldn't even say sensitive I would say like abundant energy was flowing from us if that makes sense like we were like I remember we kept like continuing Heightened. to pray over each other do you remember this like we would pray over each other like people were like opening up like what wounds they felt when they yes. felt close to God when they didn't feel close to God yes. right so we were very like pouring out this very spiritual based energy to each other in a, in a smaller group. It was probably a group of like seven of us or whatever. And so we were already primed. Okay. I'm just giving you this context so you can kind of understand what happened. And we discussed with one member of our group, what it feels like when we feel like God isn't in our presence, right? Like when, when there might be something in our presence that feels off, demonic, whatever, right? And one of the, you know, participants of this hiking trip said that when they feel like God has like left their presence and they feel, I guess, oppressed or a presence of demonic energy, they have a hard time praying and they have almost kind of, I don't know. What were some other signs? I'm trying to remember the things that were shared. I think like, that was one of the main praying. ones. I remember it was it was yeah. just like, but specifically like forgetting the words to like rote prayers that we've memorized since we were four, you know? And so that was like one of her main things is she was saying like, if I, if I like am forgetting the words to something that like I probably say like 20 times a day, then like that's, that was for her. She would say like, that's how I know that like I'm being like oppressed by a demonic Spirit sure. or something. And then, you know, one of the things that I think is important to note here is there was a lot of a fear-based teaching that we got when we yes. were younger around this Quite kind of energy. So, and I mean like not even not like child's play. Like we were basically taught, you know, we might have to do exorcism stuff and like, you know, we could encounter the devil himself and the devil himself is literally waiting around the corner for you. I mean, we would even get preached right before we leave the conference. You remember this? We'd get preached like you have to be on your radar because Satan will be ready to attack you basically. That's I know. I mean, the fear mongering was strong, and I it was really psychologically damaging. Now that I look back on it, I I don't even know if I've ever really fully analyzed that until this moment as we rehash this, and I'm sitting here going, "Wow, no, like we were we were really like it was like a scare campaign, like 
we were told that like now that you've like experienced these really heightened connections with God during this like conference experience that we just had, that you're going to be going out there and like as such like a, a bright light that like all the like demons prowling around are going to be like after you to dim you back down as fast as possible so that you cannot go out and be a light to the world. And so you leave this conference like in this heightened state of emotionality and spirituality and you're sleep deprived and you've got these stories swirling in your head about how you're like on, on battle. You're, it's about to be a battle. You're, you're about to go into war, like keep your guards up. And so you're looking for it almost. You're like waiting to be attacked by the enemy. Right. And so of course there was a lot of energy, abundance of energy. And that was like both, you know, that energy of like divinity and then the energy of like us being scared that we could be getting attacked at any moment. Um, so that fear, that collective fear. And that was, that did feel pretty tangible. Like that collective fear felt pretty tangible. And so the event that really, I think, could maybe describe what, what I would call like a spiritual exponential clusterfuck, for lack of better terms, is one of the, um, one of the people that went with us, you know, they settled into their hotel room and, you know, we were like praying and doing different things and had some free time. And I remember it getting kind of like around the time where we were going to settle in. And it seemed, you know, I can't prescribe what happened to her. But from when we were teenagers, we perceived what was happening as like a spiritual attack. And this young woman lost the ability to pray to really say a lot of words and she kept calling out CA's name um we didn't know what to do the adults didn't know what to do and I mean looking back it really looked like a panic attack she really had a lot of fear um and there was a lot of almost like pent up energy where she was just really struggling to, um, talk and say much of anything. And, you know, I think when I look back at it, we really dropped the context that she struggled a lot with her. Um, cause I, I knew her growing up and, you know, I, I don't want to like expose everything, but like she did struggle with some like speech things going on when, when we were younger. And so of course that exacerbated everything, right? So if she had some of these speech difficulties and I don't mean she couldn't talk, I mean like some, like some interference of like the way she could talk, you know? Um, and so I'm sure she was in speech therapy, whatever. Right. And enter this fear experience, enter this clusterfuck of an experience and it was just sheer terror. Like literally, I remember being in the room with CA and I just saw this young woman in pure terror, like pure, pure terror. And because we had this collective understanding of like, this has to be a demon, it was almost like we, by being around her, I don't want to say it was making it worse, amplified but like it, it we really, amplified it. Oh, it did. It it like escalated when we it were like, oh my god, it. because 
And I remember it getting like worse. And then the adults came running in and they're like, get out. Everyone has to get out. And then it got worse when the adults came in. Right. And so Mm -hmm. like, yeah, so the the adults were like, it wasn't helping with like that. They were having all of us who were probably making her feel semi, you know, I don't know, like at least at least not alone. She knew us. Right. And, you know, these are adult chaperones that don't know her. Right. So then it got worse. And so when we talk about like spiritual experiences, you know, CA gives us this one side of the coin of like this collective community that comes together that shares this emotional experience. And in this case is not attributing it to a religious God or an entity. It's just a collective shared consciousness around specific emotions and so on and so forth. And then I'm sharing this because I do think it's important for you guys to understand that like, of course, there's going to be some listeners that are like, you definitely encountered a demon, right? And, and you know what, I'm not going to sit here like this. It's not my role to be like trying to convince you one way or the other. But when I look back at that situation, I realize like what I saw now and being the clinician that I am and the trauma expert that I am is I see see a young woman terrified in a panic who's already had a predisposition for speech difficulties and the entire energy around her was basically attributing to basically telling her that she is getting attacked and we're confirming that which is probably making the fear exponentially spike right and so of course I sit there and I go, that's how these spiritual experiences can go one way or the other. And so when people go, when I was in the cult, we really thought we were releasing a demon from that person. And I'm like, I'm not here to tell you, like, whatever that was, was invalid. I'm trying to explain to you the power behind collective energy. And there's a lot of power around collective emotional energy. Yes, I think that is an extremely important aspect here. And again, we're not sitting here trying to like debunk religion or debunk the existence of God. That's not where where these are our opinions. These are our personal experiences. And we're just kind of having a dialogue, right, about what we have experienced and extrapolate like what wisdom we've extrapolated from those experiences. So there's this concept of this kind of like tapping into a collective energy, whether that's positive, negative, or whatever, and how that collective can amplify that energy and feel like it's something that is bigger than yourself. The other aspect of secular spirituality that I really wanted to get into here, which I actually think, you know, (laughs) played a role in what happened with our friend when we were younger, is the concept of the source of spiritual power. When you're in these religious ideologies, that source is outside of yourself and it's inaccessible to you except through very like specific avenues, um, whether that's like certain rituals or even certain like consecrated holy people who are able to provide the, you know, spiritual connection to God for you. It's very, as an individual within a system of religion, for the most part, it's actually very disempowering. Like you don't really actually have divine energy to rely upon or tap into in any way. It's outside of yourself and you have to like 
actively work at accessing it in a very specific way. You have to say the prayer. You have to say it in the right way. And like in certain cases, like in our faith, we even had numbers. Like we had like, you had to do the right number. It was just the right amount of times. (laughs) And so then like, and if you follow the formula, then this outside source would be now like able to like that you would like get a little bit of it right you get like doses of this outside source being able to like you know come into you so you could like feel it or whatever and so generally speaking I like I think about the situation with our friend and realizing that like because she was so disempowered in her own spirituality as soon as she started to feel those heightened feelings of fear and panic, there was no framework inside of her to be able to like self-soothe in an emotional or spiritual way because she was in an ideology that said something externally is causing these feelings and something externally is the only externally from you is the only way to fix what you're experiencing. And so she's just sitting there like, an empty shell, like basically being subjected to the whims of angels and demons and having no ability inside of her own self to manage what's happening to her. And so on the flip side, vulnerable, like I sit there and go, my God, how vulnerable must that feel? Like, and I do remember feeling that personal vulnerability. Like there were times that night where I felt so vulnerable and I was like, there the only thing I can do is try to say the right prayer at the right time in yep. the right way. Yep. And that's what CA I think is just saying, like that whole, it has to come from external. And I sit there and I go, that's why what we say is very controversial sometimes. Cause we're like, what if I told, what if I had the ability like, like zoom in the future and then come back and say, wait, hold on. You have the power in this moment inside of you do not listen to all these voices I understand that people are saying that this is an evil force but like there's a power in your breath there's a power in your body like we can regulate together like let's co-regulate right like picture that happening in a different way right I mean honestly you're describing what would probably be a very um kind of like healing almost like a therapeutic session that one could do. Um, If you have a history of like experiences like this, I personally have used the exact method that you're describing Um, for some of my more painful, like traumatic memories in my youth. I have like a method that I use where like big me now essentially like goes back and supports little me through that moment, um, through those memories. And so now when I look back on those memories, I like they, they still are what they are. Like those things really did happen, but I now have like, there's an added um, support. Like big me has gone back into those. And so like little me isn't alone in those memories anymore. Mm -hmm. There's like big me is with her. So she's not alone. And so regarding this concept of like secular spirituality, that is, this is the other aspect. This is the other flip side of it, which is that for those of us who have secular spirituality or spirituality that is not within the construct of a religious ideology, um, there is a sense of empowerment inside of ourselves and that within us, we have access to whatever energy or power or source we need for the things that, you know, we experience in life, whether that's difficult or positive or whatever it is that, 
Yes, that like inside of us, that is home and that is power and that is where we find our connection to ourselves and our connection to whatever you want to call it, a higher power or a divine source or whatever that is, the collective consciousness, whatever it is that is greater than ourselves, that isness, whatever that isness essence is that feels, oh, wow, this feels bigger than me, whether that's just the collective consciousness of humanity or if you believe that there's just a higher source power, the the ultimately what it comes down to is a sense of like authority over that power inside of ourselves. Like I am the authority. I have a say in how I get to access experience and utilize that power. It's, I don't have to go through somebody else's external system to access it. I just wanted to add this one thing. Cause could you imagine what you just said about like big me going back to little me? Could you imagine if I said that feeling that you have when you're processing that trauma is it, it, that intense fear that you feel around that processing isn't just an emotional experience it's like a demonic experience and that's where like this whole other layer of traumatization can happen because believe me you guys I'm telling you when that episode from Sarah Edmondson on a little bit culty comes out you're gonna you're gonna hear my full you guys all heard my religious trauma story but that what I go into the very culty side of like what I experienced when I was in you know my stuff and I'm telling you that has been a recent thing that I've had to start untangling in my trauma processing, which is I was told for so long that my inner wisdom was actually a demonic voice. Think about that for a second. Folks, like if CA is doing trauma processing and she's getting to a point of a trauma moment or a trauma memory and she's trying to co-regulate with that memory. And then there's a voice that says that intense fear that you're having or that resistance, that is the resistance coming from an external source that's demonic. Of course, there's going to be barriers put there in your psyche to your processing. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, it's not funny, but I'm sitting here and like, of course, you're not going to be able to right. get through that very easily because the second that came into my brain and even when I do this work today, I find myself, there's always this weird hint of this like very faint voice. It used to be so loud. Thank- thankfully, it's not anymore, but it's still faint. I'll still get to this point when I'm processing and they'll be like, I mean, like, you remember when you said this feeling was demonic? And I'm like, yes, I do remember that. I do remember that. I felt that way for literally almost 20 years. So yes, I do remember, right? But like, I just wanted to point that out for anyone who is doing this work, who's deconstructing from their faith, or they're trying to learn how to tap into their spirituality, but they have these voices that come in. And yes, maybe I'm talking to a very niche part of our <laughs> listenership, but what I'm what I'm saying there is like it really speaks to a greater theme of like the external sourcing versus the internal sourcing because even in my book when I talk about you being the source of your own healing, I'm not trying to make everybody mini gods. I'm not trying to be like you're a god. 
you're a god. Like, if you just become, like, authority over yourself, you're a god. No, what I'm saying is when someone tries to speak over your truth and tell you, hey, that feeling of fear is demonic, you're allowed to use your sovereignty and say, I have an internal wisdom that I fostered for years, and I can say with certainty, this is not a demonic force. This is part of my trauma processing and the emotions that come along with my trauma processing, I do not label as demonic. It sounds like you do, and that's your story. I'm not here to contest your story. I'm here to represent and advocate for my story. So what I mean by that and what CA is pointing out about the source coming from your internal wisdom, you're allowed to start advocating for your own version of spirituality. Because what we're saying here is when you can anchor your spirituality in decency, respect for other people's humanity. Like in the book, I do an outline. I go, there's a difference between self-sovereign and self-righteous. Self-sovereign people say, I know my story. I do not get to dictate yours. Self-righteous people say, I know my story. I'm going to dictate through my lens, your story. And I'm going to project what my lens is into your story and try to convince you that you're wrong. That's self-righteousness. It's not self-sovereignty. It is not self-advocacy and it is not your own authority. You are robbing someone's ability to process their emotions through the lens of their own wisdom. So yes, you are allowed to think that there are certain things that are demonic. And if that's your belief system, you're allowed to. But what you're not allowed to do and where you're creating psychological harm is to take that ideology and to project it into someone's trauma story and say, that is your story as well. That is the problem that I'm talking to directly when we're countering the religious spirituality into the secular spirituality world. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to start like wrapping it up and ending on that note, because as we kind of conceptualize this topic off air, uh, we were like, okay, so big, big picture umbrella. Like, let's talk about how that fits with our podcast. Like the, the work that we do here on this podcast with kind of like empowering you guys with information and skills and all of that. And for us, it was very, it became very clear that like the, the theme here has to do with authority, self-ownership, self-trust, autonomy, and these are things you guys have heard us pre- <laughs> give speeches and, and you know, hours <laughs> and hours of content to you guys about because these are huge for us, right? Like this is, this is what we do here on this podcast is all of those words, right? And so regardless of where you actually are personally in your spiritual or religious life, the theme of what we're trying to extract here applies still. It doesn't matter if you actually have a religion or some variation of a religion. What we're saying though, is that regardless of what framework you currently approach spirituality through, that what we have found to be the, the most psychologically healthy way to approach spirituality is from that place of um, empowerment through like self-trust and listening to your inner wisdom and not allowing 
other people to dictate your narrative for you. So when your inner wisdom is revealing something to you about yourself and about your process and about what you need and and some other external narrative tries to come in and rewrite that for you, that's the part that we're saying, let's unlearn that because that is not (laughs) the most psychologically healthy, integrative way to look at your inner voice. And so that's, that's what we're getting at here is like, secular spirituality or any kind of spirituality. Yeah. Sorry. You're good. So no, no, I just think it's really interesting. Cause like, if you, you know, you're starting to listen to this from like start to finish. One of the things that I want to point out is even in the story of our friend, if she approached me today and said today, Jamie, I listened to that episode and I still believe it was a demon. I will, I will never rob her of that ownership of her story. I, as a clinician, can look at it through a very particular lens. This is what I want to point out. I can look at it through a particular lens. We might not agree. And I don't get to take away the authority she had in that experience. So if she looks right at me, how 20 some odd years later and goes, I still to this day think it was demonic. I do not, here we go, ready? This is where the proof is in the pudding. I do not get to look at her and be like, you're wrong. I don't. Because I'm doing the exact same thing on the flip side, right? To her. Sure, I don't have to see it in the same perspective as her, but I don't get to dictate the way she processed that trauma. I don't. So like, even in that moment, the example that I used, right? I didn't go through that. CA didn't go through that. We witnessed it. We experienced it with her. We both walked away, even in that moment when we were, what, 14 and 15 years old, we both walked away with different conclusions of what we thought happened. And now, 20 some odd years later, we have different conclusions. So what I'm trying to let our listeners understand is yes, this might sound really complex to some people, yet uh, someone can be in vehemently different ideology than me and I still don't get to dictate their processing. Do you see, I hope the listeners are on, on, on this train (laughs) because when I was like, like when I was like looking back, right? Like, see, I think about that when I was looking back and we were telling the story, I, I want to clarify truly, this is a perception I have, Yeah, but I don't get to dictate her story. I perceive it through a different lens now because I understand my spirituality in a completely different way. And she owns the right to that story. Yeah. From her personal perspective. Exactly. And so I think that's, I'm really glad you pointed that out because I think that's an important thing. I think a lot of those of us who have deconstructed from fundamentalist religions and are now sort of out in the wilderness spiritually, um, a lot of us catch a lot of flack and get get a lot of accusations for being, you know, intolerant of religion and then like condemning religion and telling people who are religious that they're wrong and all of that. Um, And so I think it's important to kind of illustrate that no, as a, as part of the collective human society, I can fully acknowledge that 
we don't know, right? We don't know the answers and language is limited. And so if you want to call that by that word and I want to call it by this word, it doesn't matter. You can't tell me that my perception is wrong. I can't tell you that your perception is wrong. And that's where that like mutual respect and connection comes from. And so I, I'm really glad that you pointed that out because I, I, I never want to come off like we think religion is wrong and stupid and you are all, you know, just experiencing it this, that, that we're not going to do that. We're not going to do the reverse to you that was done that and has continued to be done to us. Like as I, you know, describe my experience about my, you know, music festival, somebody could come in and easily write a narrative and be like, oh, you guys weren't experiencing something beautiful you were all possessed by a demon <laughs> like I I could be like okay if that's what you want to think happened but I was the one who was there I know what I felt I know what I experienced and that's my story to tell and the, this is how I define it for myself and so I think ultimately that's you know that's where that kind of like mutual respect part comes down to is I'm not going to tell you how to define your story please don't tell me how to define my story and essentially, ultimately, like when it comes to the concept of spirituality, hopefully we can at least all agree that there is a part of us as holistic human beings. There is a part of us that has the capacity to connect in a higher way and an expansive way that goes outside of ourselves and, and connects us to something bigger than ourselves and at least hopefully we can all agree upon that yes and that is a perfect place to end thank you for listening we will see you next time bye thank you so much y'all for tuning in if anything we said resonated please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts this absolutely helps us grow and we really do value your voice on this podcast so if you have anything you'd like to contribute any tips any topics or if you just want to say hi you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com you can find us on instagram at the unlearned podcast or our individual instagrams at recollectedself and cas is at embracing divergence you can also find us over on tiktok under those handles if you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our Coffee Fiend Club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called Unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited. We are literally just shooting the breeze, having fun. You can see our full personalities and it is a blast. Honestly, it's pretty fun. So if you want to join us, you can find that at patreon.com slash unlearned. And that's it. The last thing I want to tell you is I want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become. And this is how we do the work.